today we talk about moms, and today we talk about something that I am excited about. It's, it's so easy on Mother's Day uh, to have a number of uh, feelings. Some are feelings that you, you can't help but fight off. For some of you, this is a bad day because it reminds you of a mother you lost. You're in my boat. Your mother's no longer with you. And so in some churches, you know, they give out kershazes and everybody, you know, and they have this whole system. And um, so some people come to this day with grief. And they come to this day feeling like, well, pastor, I, I just can't be happy today. And I understand that. And I, I really do. I, I've just made a, a personal decision. I've decided not to honor my mother's memory by grieving every time I think about her. I've chosen... My, this is me. Everybody makes their own decisions, but this is me. I've decided that as an only child raised by his mother who scrubbed floors so he can do this. And I want to make sure you understand what that means. That means she got down on her knees like this. You understand? She scrubbed floors uh, so that I can do this. So I get to wear this fancy suit and stand up in this pulpit and talk to you. So in honor of a person who scrubbed floors for me, I choose to be happy. And so, for that reason, today, I want to challenge you to see things a little bit differently. And I want you to, if you would, even if you said you didn't have a good relationship with your mother, at least you have one. And maybe the only thing they gave you was life, but they gave you that. You didn't birth yourself. And that was not painless. Come on, say amen, ladies. No, no, let's say it again, ladies. It's, that's not a painless process, right? Now, the few women that don't have many pains, you hate them anyway, right? Oh, it just came out like that, wasn't that? <laughs> you just hate them. They just that like, ain't nothing to it, you know? But for those who are in my wife's category, who I witnessed this firsthand, I was there, my finger's still numb, um, it's not a painless process. So what you do is you take what you can get out of it and move on. And every now and then in life, you have to embrace the idea that maybe there's something else I should think about rather than what I didn't get or what I didn't have. I have to focus on something that's a little bit more, more important, especially if you're the mother. And so I, wanna, I want today in this teaching to show women some things, and I call this a mom's toolbox. And so today we're going to take a look at what moms can have in their toolbox. And the, the word toolbox is a word that a carpenter understands because when he fixes anything, when he lives in his world of, of carpentry, the most important thing in his workday is his toolbox. Can you say toolbox? toolbox? It's the toolbox of a mom today that we're going to look at. Now, what's important about this is because this is going to help women, but it's also going to help you men know the kind of woman you want to choose if you're thinking about marriage. If you're thinking about letting somebody be the mother of your children, if you have no children, this is the time to think about it. And so when you look at this, this story, I want you to think about what's in this toolbox, what she's like. And I want you to notice there are two major sections of our talk today. The first section talks about some advice. And in this advice from a mom to her son, we learn some amazing things. In this, in this talk, the mother reveals her her way of thinking. She reveals her perspective. It's an amazing conversation. And then the second thing we're going to look at is the attributes 
of a woman who is what's considered to be a virtuous woman. She has some incredible attributes that we all can learn from. Now, I want to say this. We're going to start in, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. And when we start there, the first thing that can happen is you go, oh, give me a break. Give me a break. This is the perfect woman chapter, right? This is the chapter where the woman's got it all together and there's no issues. I promise you, you won't feel like that. When we get through with this, you won't think she's the perfect woman. That's not the point. The point of it all is this is a powerful, amazing um, story about what a woman, a mom, can contribute. And for women who are not moms, it shows you a goal you can have. And for women who are moms, it can show you what you can become, what can be put in your toolbox, the kind of things you can have. It's, a, it's an inspirational sermon for women. And it starts off with one big question. How much do we underestimate the, the potential of women? How much do we as a people, as a culture, underestimate? We look at our little girls, we tell them what, compared to what we tell our little boys? What dreams do we put in front of them? Because I have a daughter, this sermon speaks to me because there are certain things I said to my daughter. It's amazing. You can date a girl, you can go out with women, but when it's your little girl, it's another conversation. Come here, girl. Now you know about the boys, right? And there's a whole other view. And for some of you women say, so, well, I didn't get that. I didn't have that privilege, Pastor Ray. Well, let me just help you understand. As a dad talking to his daughter, you get it right away. And what's really sad is a lot of women's view of themselves have been damaged by men, not built. They make you think all you are is someone to look at, to roll around with. But there's not much value beyond that. They don't want you to talk and give your opinion. They don't want to hear your viewpoint. The shocking thing sometimes when you marry a woman, excuse me, ladies, for saying this, when you get married to them and you find out she is not just beautiful, she's not just someone who sways her hips left and right, she's somebody with a viewpoint. And I heard an amen. Can I get two amen, brothers? They got some strong viewpoints. When you talk to them, it's, it's, it's almost unner unnerving the first time you have a, a really uh, detailed conversation. And, and you say, well, I think I want to buy that because I think I like it and it'd be good. Well, that's not a good investment. Pardon, girl, what would you say? Investment. What do you know about investments? Well, because of the rate. It's too high. It's too high of a rate. What you ought to do is wait, and you ought to wait two years. You get it two and a half years old, and then you ought to wait until and she, wait, 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 wait. How do you know all this? Oh, I know a lot about a lot of things. I just don't say it. You come home and the furniture is all moved around. You say, how'd you do that? Oh, I just kind of scooted it. No, she lifted it up off over her head. <laughs> Moms will fool you. Come on, say that with me, please. Moms will what? Fool you. Yo, they strong. They have abilities and skills and talents, can multitask on the phone, type in a letter all at the same time, and hold on to the child. All in one move. Bam, everything. <laughs> come on, say, Moms are amazing. They are. They're amazing creatures. They do amazing things. They have amazing talents. A lot of, amen. I heard an amen back there. That's right. <laughs> Even the baby's working with me today. Moms are amazing. But moms are women. And women have insights. And in our study in Proverbs 31, a mom gives her king, son, 
her sons the king, advice. Now, many believe this is Bathsheba talking to Solomon. And so for the sake of, of, um, of our study, let's view it that way, because many in history believe that. And he just uses the name Lemuel as a name he just kind of creates because there's no historical person that we can find named Lemuel. So there is an assumption that Bathsheba is advising Solomon, and if that be true, it fits Solomon's life perfectly. Listen to three things she says to Solomon. The first thing she says is, let me give you some advice about women. Secondly, let me give you some advice about alcohol. And thirdly, let me give you some advice about leadership. I want you, Solomon, to understand that the first big challenge of your life is women. Now, you know, a mama can tell. She watch how you look at the little girls in the palace. He likes the way they all look. I like that one, mama. I like that one. I'm going to give me one of those and I get big. And she looks at Solomon at some point in his life as a grown man, as a king. He's now a leader. Now, what's important is this advice comes from a person who is the mom over an adult person. And here's what she says. Do not give your strength to who? Women. Proverbs 31 and 1, 3. Do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. The first concern she has is his, his view of women. Now, that was good advice because he ended up with 700 wives and 300 concubines. Repeat this with me, please. Say, he did not listen. Did not listen. You ever have a son you talk to say, boy, let me tell you something about yourself. You know you don't like the sun, so you need to go to school because you don't like being outside. But he didn't listen to you. It's hard when you're watching someone you love go in the wrong direction. But what's important here is a mom talking to an adult son. Stop thinking that people should, should, should that your advice should stop at 18. Somehow when you get 18 years old, no one should tell you anything. No one should advise you. You're now, here's a big word, grown. You know, grown people stop saying they're grown after a while. You know, you only say that in the early 18, 19, 20-year-old. When you get past a certain number, you stop saying that. Because you know with grown come bills, responsibility, house note, car note. You change all that. You just say, I'm, I'm making it, praise God, I'm making it. I don't, I'm grown. That's something you say for a while. You, you run out of that. run out of gas. She tells him to watch out for women, and she says a key statement to him. She says, listen, you don't give your strength to it. It will drain you. It, it, you know, being a lover, playboy, it's hard work. Lying to everybody. Well, you are. Oh, I was, uh, I was uh, cutting the grass. Oh, the lawnmower's still the lawnmower. Okay, yeah, well, we loaned the lawnmower out? Well, I, yeah, I was uh, using some uh, scissors. I was... Uh, uh, survey, I meant surveying the grass. That's what I was over, the neighbor surveying. You was at the neighbor's house surveying the grass, right? It's hard work to lie like that. It's hard work. You look in the mirror, you're not the person you, you, you want to be. And you end up losing strength. And so she says, Solomon, don't give your strength to women. Then secondly, she says, Solomon, be careful about the booze, the alcohol. Verse 4, it's not for kings, O, o Lemuel, it's not for kings to drink wine nor for princesses intoxicating drink. At least they drink and forget. That's the problem. <laughs> they forget the rules, forget the laws, forget the boundaries. And they pervert the justice of all the afflicted. They start treating people unfairly. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. That's all it does is it drowns out 
you're, you're still poor and you're still miserable. It just drowns it out. You didn't stop being miserable when you're high. You just don't feel like it. But you're just as bad off. Well, Pastor, can I raise my hand and ask you a question now? You're just trying to say we shouldn't drink? I've been pastor a long time. And I know, I know people, I know people do what they want to do. I just, I'm not, a, I, I, I have stopped being a cop a long time ago. I'm not going to follow you around. I tell a story about how one of my members was down and he had a big jumbo bottle of whiskey, wine or something. Was a, I think it was, a, he had it, and he saw me and he put it behind his back. And he said, oh, hey, Pastor Rick, how you doing? I stood, I talked to him a long time. I stood there, <laughs> let's just talk a long time. How you doing? How's the family? How's the cat? How's the dog? How's, the, how's your car coming? He said, all right, Pastor Rick, I got it. I was just, I was, <laughs> man, please, I ain't got time to chase y'all around. What in the world? Why don't you drink? Because I might like it. I told y'all that. I was like, <laughs> Shoot, I'll be a wine bibble. You better not give me any of that stuff. And you know how I know that? My family's history. Wine has not been good in my family at all. Alcohol, intoxicating. I don't know about your family. Maybe your family's successful. Y'all social drinkers. Y'all don't get high, right? Mm-mm. Mine get high and higher. <laughs> Something in the blood. I don't know what it is, but I ain't fooling with it. Mm-mm. And, I, you know, you dig if you get tempted. Yeah, if you want to try a little bit. If you had some, yeah, and a kid coming up. I even got high one time. I got high one time as a teenager. Somebody who should have gone to jail gave us teenagers some, some liquor. And I remember, you know, it hit you all of a sudden. Whoa. <laughs> you know, some of y'all don't, don't act like you know what I'm talking about. This just looks straight. Just, oh, boy, okay, I'm high. This must be it right here. This is it. This ain't fun. This ain't fun. Shoot, that was not good. Oof. I knew I don't, uh-uh, I don't want to smoke nothing, drink nothing, because I'm high on my own. I got my own juices. Come on, amen. I got my own juices. That's just me. My doctor tell me, say, now, Temple, it'll help your cholesterol, help you out. I said, yeah, I know, but it'll, it'll backfire on me. I believe, though, that the Bible is strong. I don't think the Bible encourages drink, drink, drinking as, as a customer. I, I mean, I, I went to Israel, and they were drinking wine. My, my friend told me, you come to my house temple, and we're going to have Shabbat, and we have wine. And so we know you don't drink, but we need you to drink that day because everybody's going to be offended if you don't drink something. Like, this is it. I see. He told me on the way to Israel, he said, now, I know you, so I'm telling you now. Think about it. you got a long time to pray. <laughs> come to my house. You have to. So they passed the wine around, and I, I drank it, and I didn't die. Praise the Lord. I was, that's good, though. I liked it. But. <laughs> Give me some more of that. Give me some more of that. That's why I ain't drinking. See, right there. Bam. There it is. <laughs> but what, one, of the, one of the things, though, that's really profound is she said, my advice to you as a son, stay away from this. Women and alcohol. Come on, stay with me. Come on. Women. That's what the mom said to the son. And he didn't listen. Third thing she said to him was, you need to be careful about how you deal with people, how you lead. Now, you'll miss verse 8 and 9 if you're not careful because listen to how she says it, and then you'll see what I mean. Open your mouth for the speechless, and the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. Now, if you fast forward to 2 Kings and you hear the story of Solomon's son being addressed by the, after Solomon died, they went to Rehoboam, Solomon's son, and they said, hey, listen, your, your daddy's dead now. Solomon's dead now. We, we will follow you, but we want you to do one thing. 
don't be as hard as he was. Care about the needy. His, his father was hard, and Rehoboam didn't listen and decided to be harder than his father. So the mother saw this in it. Boy, you need to watch how you treat women. You don't give your strength to women. You need to watch this alcohol, son. It, it, it's, it's destroying your life. It's sucking your life out of you. You're making bad choices. And you don't care about people, son. You're so big on building all these buildings and all these vineyards and all these things you want to do and, and your business and your career and your money and your savings account and your 401k and your car and your stuff and your bike. All your stuff that you want and you're not thinking about anybody else. You're not speaking up for the needy and the poor. A mother said that. Here's a question for you. What did your mother tell you that you didn't listen to? Oh, yeah, talk about Solomon, but let's not talk about his mother. Let's talk about you. Because here's what you say over time. Mama was right. What do you normally say? Mama was what? Right. Oh, yeah, you do. Eventually, you live long enough. I love him. I need him. You can't pick a love for me. You can't pick nobody for me. You picked your man, and because it didn't work out for you, don't mean you can pick one for me. I got my own life to live. I know how you feel. Come home all beat up. He left me, he left me, he left me. <laughs> I need some money. I can't pay the light. I can't pay the phone. I ain't my car on the side of the road. Call your man. <laughs> Didn't listen. You had to have her. I love her, mom. I love her. She's beautiful. Yeah, she's crazy though, son. She's beautiful, but she's crazy. And she's lazy. She is lazy. Say it with me. Lazy. No, say it with me. Come on. Lazy. I have a sermon I'm working on called Lazy. Lazy. Lazy, lazy. Mama can tell it. Mama can look at her. Mama told you she ain't cooking you nothing. <laughs> Better get you some gift cards. You're going to be eating out. You're going to be eating out a whole lot. That woman don't cook. Don't clean. Don't cook. Lot, let a lot of mouth. Don't say nothing. And fights. Watch out. You better duck. Ask her brother. I know he gave a black eye one day. I was, yeah, Mama knows. And you said, I love her. I love her. I love him. Okay, right. Now you got him. And you're back home with Mama because she's the only place you can stay. can always come home, right? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes you burn that bridge too with your attitude. Now, I said all that to make this point. Solomon didn't listen. Go back in your life and ask yourself, did you listen? One of the common things I hear from guys when I go visit prisons, my mama told me that. And nowadays, I don't know if you know in Georgia, over half the prison guards are women. I was in a prison one time, and I was, I was <laughs> it was amazing. I was, I was stunned. I, I heard this female voice, I told you, didn't I tell you? And she was fussing, you know. And I, I looked around, I thought, oh, my God, somebody, somebody, mama. In the jail, <laughs> and it was a woman yelling at an inmate and telling him she's gonna write him up, he better do write up or whatever. And he's all right, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And I said, See, you didn't listen to your mom, and now you gotta listen to another woman. Mm, mm, mm. If you've been to prison, just keep your hand down. So I know you're jumping. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard to notice. When you're living in a season, the man, I was told about this. 
All that from my mama. All that good advice from my mama. Last part of this chapter, though, is fascinating because it turns to attributes and talks about what a good mama's like, what a good woman's like. And, and in this list of things, uh, you can see, first of all, if you're looking for a wife or someone to be the mother of your children, your single person, this is who you look for. You look for a person like this who has these attributes, and, and, and it, it will help you whittle out who doesn't quite fit this. Now, that's one way to look at this. Here's the second way. The other side of this is some women, I'm going to read this to you, and you're going to go, oh, this is the perfect woman section. You know, and you just, you just hate those perfect women anyway, right? You know, they come to the office, nails clean, everything's perfect, and the hair like this, bam, and, and, and no, no, no pounds on them at all. This is just look perfect, and you just hate them. I mean, women really can hate on a woman just because she seems to have it all together. She got her man and her beautiful children and round up in a little van. It's all clean. Talking about a house she's building. And if you're not careful, <laughs> you become hostile. And so this chapter, the virtuous woman, you just want to go, okay, so tell me about the perfect woman I know I'm not. And you miss the point. This is not designed to give you something to look at and feel guilty. This is, a, this is designed to show you your potential. This is what you can put in your toolbox. These are all the things you can become. No one is all of them. One, let me say again, no one is all of them. You can take the same thing and say, man, it should be the same, the same way. There's some traits in here for guys. But, uh, but understand, talking to women, that's what it's about in this chapter. This is about you finding hope. Remember, I asked the question, I said, why do we underestimate the potential of women? My big question. Because m many times we, we, we consistently give them the idea that you can only be this or you can only be that. So when people read something, Proverbs 31, they read it with a bias. Either you are a person who believes in women being housewives, and so everything in chapter 31 is about being a woman who keeps her children. It's all for women who are housekeepers with husbands. There's nothing in here for a single woman. That's what you can take out of it if you're not careful. And that's what men preach sometimes. Be a virtuous woman. Keep her at house. Take care of her children and all that stuff. And that's what they emphasize. Rather than seeing the bigger message. The bigger message is a woman has great potential. That she can have these things in her toolbox and can become this amazing person with incredible potential. See that for a minute. Let me show you what I mean. I gave, I gave you a simple list so you can, don't get lost in the study. But watch this now. Note, the broad description of gifts in this chapter are amazing. First of all, she's a virtuous. She's called virtuous, she has, which means she's honest, she's truthful, she's trustworthy, she's business-minded, she has values, she's knowledgeable. Read it with me. Come on. She's what? Community-minded. She's what? A planner, she what? Smiles, she what? Guides, and she stands strong. Let me jump on one word here, smile for a minute. Because here's what you're going to do. Go, go to my website. This is a book. This book is, I love this. It's, it's called, my website is rickytemple.com. Say it with me, please. Come on. rickytemple.com. That's R-I-C-K-Y temple.com. That's my little dump spot, okay? And what I do is I, I keep it separate from the church website, but it can take you to the church website. But I created it so that when I'm doing stuff, all my little geeky research, I can dump it there. and You can go see and be nosy. You can see where I'm traveling, what I'm doing. You can see all kind of stuff. And if you click on resources, what do you click on? 
rickytemple.com, click on resources. When you click on resources, it, the first thing on the list is read with the pastor. And there's a book, a list of books I'm reading. Instead of me buying them and trying to get you to buy them, I told you, I'd show you where they are and you buy them yourself. And so thank God for Amazon or whatever tool you use, but you can click on resources. It pulls up, and the, one of the first books I'm reading now is a book called The Power of Negative Thinking. Isn't that amazing? What a title, right? And what she talks about is, and there's a section in there, and, and what I do when I have these books, I'll have the book, and then I'll have a little video or audio clip. So if you are the kind of person who doesn't want to read anything, you can just go listen or watch it. And it's a little 20-minute clip or so that describes the book to you. And if you may want to go back and buy this up to you. But here's, here's what I want you to do. In the first book, if you listen to the first clip, and the clip is about eh, 30 minutes long, but listen to about half of it because it talks about the book. And in the book, she talks about women not being forced to smile all the time. That sometimes there's something stable about being. And, and only in America do we expect people to do this. That's not how Asians think. They think there's a maturity in being sober and somber being serious. They're not always optimists either. She talks about something called defensive pessimism. Can you say that big word with me? Come on. Defensive pessimism. Which means you ever seen a person, they're really kind of neurotic. Some moms like this, you know, when it's time to get ready to go on a trip. All right, let's make sure. Watch out. Did we get everything packed? Watch out. Okay, hey, wait, wait, wait. We're going to be late. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Did we? Yes. Oh, do I have enough money? Did I pack enough snacks? And you go, mom, chill out. But here's what mom knows. She's been on the road before and she's been places and she knows that you can run out of stuff. And so here's what this defensive, pessimistic person does. They check off all the things that can go wrong and guess what they do? They make better decisions. Wherein the optimist says, we got plenty of gas and then you're on the side of the road with them. <laughs> you got any snacks? No, I didn't pack no oranges. What, we need some water? <laughs> So she compares the two. It's a great book. It's a great, great study. So this is my new read. So anyway, but anyway, so I'll come to this word smile, but it's not necessarily I'm trying to get you to be some smiling woman. That's not the point. Look with me and notice the text here. First of all, starting in verse uh, 10, the first thing it describes the virtuous woman as it says, who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies. The message Bible says it this way. A good woman is hard to find. I like that. A good woman is hard to find. And worth far more than diamonds. When you find her, she's worth more than money. Secondly, she's not only a person who's, who's virtuous and honest, but she's trustworthy. So notice the word virtuous. Notice the word trust. Those are things that are in a toolbox. That's the person you need to strive to be. Look at it that way. That's, that's, the, that's the big message here. I can become a trusted person. I can become a virtuous person. My, her husband trusts her without reserve and never has a reason to regret it. I love that. You know, that's one of the greatest things in my life. Honestly, I, wonder, is I'm not, I never regretted being married to Diane. And I, and I mean, we've had moments when, you know, just call it a marriage moment. Well, yeah, a marriage moment. Quite a few marriage moments. <laughs> but I've never regretted it. And, I, and I, I really learned that trust is a great thing to have in your toolbox, that you're trustworthy. Never spiteful. She treats him, watch this now, generously all her life long. 
Can I take a side trip for a minute? There are a lot of angry women, angry mothers, and rightfully so. You have not been fairly treated by, in particular, your husbands or men in your life, your fathers. But you have to be careful that that doesn't define who you are and becomes part of your toolbox. So that everybody who tries to love you has to run into what happened to you. And has to pay for somebody else's offense. I didn't do that to you. So don't make everybody pay. And even if a person has wronged you and they're still with you, if you've decided to stay together, be together. If you've decided to forgive, forgive. I'm not saying there's not pain and there's not a process. I'm not saying there's not pain and a process. I'm saying, understand, this is what you want in your toolbox. I don't want to be angry. I want to be a trustworthy person. I want to be somebody you can trust. And thirdly, I want to, know my, I want to conduct my business in a way that's professional. I love this part of it. She shops around for the best yarns, and, con- and, and you say, oh, that's my wife good at that, and I shop, and that's a good part right there, Pastor Rick. Stop on that word. You're missing the big point. She shops around for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. She's like a trading ship that sails to a faraway place and brings back exotic surprises. She's up before dawn, preparing breakfast for her family and organizing her day. She looks over a field and buys it. Then with money, she puts aside plants of a garden. First thing in the morning, she addresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, eager to get, a, get, a, get started. Now, if you, if you read this wrong, here's what you come away with. Yeah, this is a good woman. A good woman knows how to sow. A good woman knows how to go buy surprises for her man. And her children, she gets up early and prepares breakfast for everybody before she eats. She looks over the field. She cuts the grass. She does everything that she's supposed to do. That's a good woman. That's not what that's saying. That sounds like a slave ship to me. Here's what he's saying. And the big message is she knows how to organize her world. She conducts business well. She, you, you, you skip over the part. She's like a trading ship that sails to a fraud. You, you forget that part of it. This is what's in her toolbox. When you engage this woman, she has the capacity to conduct business. To me, that's what God says your potential is. Remember, the big question is, do we underestimate the potential of a woman? My argument is yes. We underestimate the potential of a woman, of a mom. I'm not against the house care part. I'm not against her caring for her kids. I'm not against you fixing breakfast. But I'm saying don't take a look at it in such a narrow perspective. Broaden your mind a little bit. Give her some credit. Let her feel like she has value, which brings me to the fourth point. She knows her value. Say that out loud. Come on. She knows her value. She senses the worth of her work. I'm worth something. And that's what a lot of women say. I'm worth something. And, 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 and there's no hurry to call it quits for the day. She's skilled in the crafts of home and, and, and hearth. That, that has to do with the, the fireplace. Diligent in homemaking. Not, that, that doesn't mean that that's all she is. It just simply she knows I contribute to this family. I have value and I have worth. And let me tell you, one of the things that goes away, especially as women age, is worth. What's sad to see in our young women, you think, look at me, you're only worth is to meet some guy, roll around with some guy, and be called by his name. 
As a father, that is not my wish for my daughter. I'm sorry. I apologize. If that bothers you, that's not my wish. Maybe it's for your daughter. I wish it upon your daughter, but not upon mine. I don't want, I want her to, I want my wife submitted to me. My wife is a woman. I feel that loves me and cares for the house and all that. You can, my point is, we're not playing down that, but we're not narrowly defining her as if there is no value. And there's a strong, oh God, there's a strong sense of that in so many young women that I meet. Sometimes I want to say, would you just pull a minute, please just, just pull it down a little bit. Hold on, baby. You're more than that. Hey, hey. Come on, come on, amen. You're more than, hey. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 729 You're more than that. You're more than your number and your digits. She knows her value. Can you say it with me, please? Come on. She knows her value. Now you say, well, Pastor Rick, now you're going to start a trouble because now you, I'm going to unleash these women from the building and they're going to become difficult. I heard, Pastor Rick, I know my value. See, now you're going to go the other way. I'm not encouraging you to become some sassy woman who goes around touting your value as if you don't have any sense of humility. I'm not trying to do that. I'm simply saying this is what's in your toolbox. When you have virtue in your toolbox, when you're trustworthy, when you know how to conduct business, when you know how, when you know your value, when that's in your toolbox, you act differently. Your response is different. But then notice she goes beyond that. She's community-minded. She's quick to assist anyone in need. Reaches out to help the, the poor. She plans ahead, verse 21. She doesn't worry about her family when it comes, when snow time comes because his winter clothes are all mended and ready to wear. She plans ahead. Number, numbers, and, and, and that to me is, is, is what makes her special. So once I get past your cute, once I get past all the things about you that make you look wonderful, and we have kids together, and you're a mom, these are the things that make our family work. When I need you to reach in your toolbox and pull out trust, it's there. When I need you to plan ahead, you're there. You're helping me plan. You're helping me organize. There's something profound. That's what a woman's potential is. This is what young women should be dreaming to be. I want to be a planner. I want to be a person who's community-minded. I want, to be a, I, want to know, I want to be a confident person. And then I want to not go around with such a... I want to go around with a, with a joyful spirit. Verse 23. She smiles. Her husband is greatly re- respected when he deliberates with, with, with the city fathers. I want to say this. You help. You, you impact the way your mate is viewed. The way you live your life. She designs gowns and sells them. Notice how entrepreneur she is. Brings, uh, she brings the sweaters. She knits uh, to the dress shops. Her clothes are well made and elegant. And she's always, always faces tomorrow with a what? Smile. Then number eight, she guards her words. She speaks. She speaks. She speaks. She has something worth, when she has something worthwhile to say, and she always says it kindly. One of the greatest challenges that we face is our words. But in her toolbox are graceful words. And then I love this last part, number nine. She stands alone. Many women have, verse 29, wonderful things, but you've outclassed them all. I love this. Charm, 
can mislead and beauty soon fades. Read that with me, please. Come on. Charm can mislead and beauty soon fades. When you get ready to pick somebody to be your wife, consider this verse. One of the greatest things someone ever told me, I saw a girl, she was so cute, walking past me, and he said, temple, beauty goes that far. You, don't need, you need to look in her toolbox. And the only way you can do that is to get to know her. And to talk and to communicate. And for a mom who's looking at her son, you want to tell your son, son, listen to this advice. And to your daughter, you want to say, let this be the dream for your toolbox. When we look at your life for 20 years down the road, let us find that you have put these things in your toolbox. It'll make your marriage better, your life better, it'll make you better. You won't live to need a man. You'll live because you live. And a man or a woman is a benefit to you. But your life will not be all about that. I close with a couple of questions for you. How much faith do you have in your potential as a woman? How much faith do you have in other women's potential? Have you played women down? And how dependent is your identity on a man having faith in you? I hope it's not all about getting a guy. I hope on Mother's Day you're thinking about your life and your potential and what God can do in your life. I believe that one of the things that affects all of this, that makes all of this work, is what God will do in your life when it comes to your disciplines, which is our theme for this month. Next week I'm going to pick up on the theme, Building a Future with Spiritual Discipline, a series that I'm excited about, 1 Timothy 4 and 7, says train yourself to be godly. I'm going to show you how you can train yourself to have more of the qualities that we talked about in this toolbox today. And I want you to come back next week as I show you how to be a godly person in a way that works and can transform your life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for what we've studied today. I pray that the word of God has helped and, and lifted your people to see beyond what men say. Women will leave this place and say, you know, that was some good advice. I'm going to work on my toolbox. I'm going to work on the things that make me better in Jesus' name. I want to work on my, my life. I want to work on my attitude. I want to work on my self-confidence. And for men, I pray, God, if they're looking for a wife, that they would say, you know what? I need to look just beyond charm and beauty, and I need to see what's in her toolbox. I need to see if she's trustworthy. And, Lord, I pray today in Jesus' name for every mother in this room who's grieving over her son, She's giving him advice, and he's not listened. He has a daughter that's not responding. May they have faith. Lift your hand, would you please? We lift up our individual hands to you. And we pray, God, that your spirit would touch us wherever our need is in this sermon. Some would say, Lord God, what I heard today is going to free me because I've been so focused on finding a man and so focused on everything but me that it's time for me to work on my toolbox. Can you say my toolbox? Come on again. Say my life. My life. Father, help us to see the importance of working on our life, our church, our family, our health, our money, our thinking, our emotional stability. May mothers leave here today and say, I get it, pastor. Thank God for my family but I will, not, I will not leave here with my head down but my head up. 
And for those who've lost their mothers, who this day, as I said earlier, grieves them, may they leave knowing that their mom is in a better place. But more than that, Lord God, that they have been given the privilege of having a mom. And so in Jesus' name, may their life be free from, from, from all this overly, overly sorrowfulness you talk about in the Bible. The Bible says we can become overly sorrowful in 2 Corinthians, where we're sorrowing in a way that's not healthy. I pray, God, that we would release today the grief and trust you to work on our toolbox in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every hand down, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I know what I heard today spoke to me. I need a relationship with the living God. I need to serve Jesus, and I, I, I have been away from God, and I, I want you to pray for me today that on Mother's Day I can turn my life around. For mothers in particular, 